0: Welcome to The Honest Report, a weekly podcast analyzing media coverage of the Arab-Israeli conflict, anti-Semitism, and radical Islamic terrorism. Violence escalating between Israel and the Palestinians, hundreds of rockets fired from Gaza toward Israel people running for cover. We start the show with the
1: breaking news that has been coming in. Israeli police are saying that at least seven people have been injured in a car ramming and stabbing attack in Tel Aviv. Hundreds of
0: rockets fired from Gaza towards Israel. People running for cover on this Tel Aviv beach as air defense systems blew rockets out the sky. Here's your host, Rob Walker. Following the 2020 Abraham Accords, which established diplomatic relations between Israel and two new Arab partners, Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates, there has been speculation about which country may be next for Israel to establish ties, namely Saudi Arabia. But there's still more potential for Israel to establish relations with a much larger Muslim-majority country, Pakistan, home to nearly 250 million people. That's according to Mohamed Rizwan, a Pakistani-Canadian journalist and political commentator who recently co-authored an opinion column in the National Post with activist Rahil Raza, where he called on Pakistan to establish diplomatic relations with the Jewish state. Rizwan joins us on this week's podcast to discuss why Pakistani-Israeli diplomatic ties may not be as far-fetched as it seems. Welcome to The Honest Report Podcast. Mohammed Rizwan, welcome to The Honest Report Podcast. Oh, thank you, Robert. Robert, thank you for having me. Uh, it is our pleasure. I went, I read with great interest a piece that you recently co-wrote uh, along with Rahil Raza on the National Post. Uh, it was titled "Pakistan Should Normalize Relations with Israel." Um, tell us a little bit about uh, you know where this is coming from. When most people think about and you you discuss how Pakistan should aim to become part of the Abraham Accords, people talk about Israel and, and, and bilateral relations with a, a Muslim-majority state. People are typically thinking about Saudi Arabia, um, but uh, not Pakistan. Where Where is this coming from?
1: Oh Well, Robert, very good question. Uh, uh, I uh, have to say that uh, Pakistan as a state, uh, you know, whatever its uh, 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 its basic uh, default status was as a security state, as a, a as a rival to India, uh, as a state which was propped up by uh, uh, you know international financial institutions aid uh, through its military, of course. Uh, it it never uh, had partnership with Pakistani people, but now that uh, things uh, we see in Pakistan, they are. Uh, changing fast. Uh, why Israel coming to picture? I mean the, uh, you asked me a very important uh, question. Uh, because everything else Pakistan did in its foreign policy. Pakistan's foreign policy in Gulf and Middle East were always a kind of second fiddle to the uh, Saudis and Gulf monarchies. Whatever they used to do, Pakistan used to do as well. It did not have its independent kind of foreign policy. It's fascinating to uh, uh, see that Pakistan and the U.S. uh, and and, uh, Pakistan and Israel were, you know, very close U.S. allies. Uh, Israel and Middle East, uh, they were anchoring their security uh, structures over there. And Pakistan was their key player in the South Asia. Yet they were far apart. Uh, If you want me to uh, uh, go into details why it it happened, uh, those are very interesting and very important to know. Uh, But uh, I can delve on that as well, that why Pakistan did not approach Israel before and why now? So, I mean, you know,
0: obviously... Pakistan is—it's uh, a Muslim majority country. It's got about uh, almost 250 million people. Uh, it's a, t- t- a tremendously large country. Um, how much, at the same time, it is somewhat in this state of perpetual low-level conflict with India, and India, in recent years, uh, does have a closer relationship with uh, with the state of Israel. Is that part of? Was that part of Pervez Musharraf, the former um, Pakistani leader? Who was the one who really started to talk about, uh, you know, about in 2009, talk about open relations with Israel? Although that was never completed, was that part of his calculus pulling Israel away from India's orbit?
1: For us in Israel, Pervez uh, Musharraf took some of the more courageous steps at trying to ha- initiate contacts between Pakistan and Israel openly, not clandestine, not through intelligence agencies. Uh, met uh, pre- then Prime Minister Ariel Sharon in 2005. And initiated contacts with them in the aftermath of the Gaza disengagement. Well, I wouldn't see it like this. Uh, uh, Musharraf was not trying to pull uh, uh, India and Israel uh, apart. Or uh, even if he had tried, uh, uh, I don't think. Uh, I mean, uh, he had that wage and uh, uh, counterbalance and geopolitical uh, uh, reach uh, to do that. Even if he wanted to. What he was trying to do was uh, to normalize relations with India at one hand, uh, so that uh, Pakistan's faltering economy and Pakistan's uh, 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 Pakistan's uh, future geopolitical project- projections uh, get better. And uh, with India, if they if they uh, make India a friend, uh, their economic situation has a considerable chance of improving. Uh, because the cross-border trade, which is very cheap, and uh, uh, they, they are uh, joined uh, uh, through the long land and uh, geography. So it was it made sense that we should have approached India in, in that sense. And also, he wanted a good offices of Israel. Uh, Pakistan always saw Israel through the lens of Arab states. Pakistan never had an independent foreign policy towards Israel. Why? Because when Pakistan w- was created in 1947, uh, I mean, roughly about the same time as Israel uh, came into being, it was it came into being in the name of religion, uh, that uh, Islamic Pakistan was still Hindu India. So, Islamic Pakistan had the natural, uh, you know, alignment with the. Uh, the Gulf, rich oil-rich Gulf, Gulf Arab states, uh, Pakistan saw their strategic importance in, you know, boosting its own economy because the Pakistan economy was uh, next to nothing when it was created, and uh, it tied its uh, um, ideologically; it, it tied itself to the Arab causes uh, because, I mean, in in, in that region, in, in geopolitics, Pakistan saw some advantages which, you know, a friendship with Israel would not have given. And since Pakistan was created in the name of religion, in the name of as a a Muslim country, so it uh, made sense to the military junta at that time uh, that, uh, you know, stay on the side of Muslim thing and stay with the Muslim bloc uh, so that, one, it will give advantage towards Hindu India, and second, they do not they did not see any long-term strategic benefit in aligning with Israel and aligning with Israel at that time would have alienated their Arab friends. So that that thing started like this. but then Pakistan went on the road of, of building itself as a security state, a military you know and crashed itself into the politics and economy and in everything uh, in Pakistan and then it was very difficult. So when that project was going on, Islamization of Pakistan, it meant that any Muslim cause, no matter if it's their own cause, Israel is, uh, you know, Palestine is not Pakistan's cause. Pakistan doesn't live in wiggly. Israel, uh, you know, they they were doing it just because Arabs were doing it, who were, you know, giving them a considerable uh, economic aid. Much of Pakistan's foreign policy
0: vis-a-vis Israel in the Middle East has been based Uh, unofficially or or officially on sort of the positions of uh, Arab states in the region. But now that you have a growing number, certainly with the Abraham Accords, you know, Bahrain, United Arab Emirates, or even uh, South Sudan, which is, um, uh, you know, it's regional, or Kosovo, Morocco, and so on. Is this changing the uh, dynamic or the trends in Pakistan, or does it have the potential to, or is it still not at that critical mass yet?
1: it has reached uh, that uh, critical mass because uh, they were uh, you know, they were going on the path of this foreign policy because Arabs were going. Now with the signing of Abraham Akkad, of course, Pakistan can easily see the futility of that uh, uh, long-term foreign policy that has become redundant now uh, now having what basis? Uh, you are having an enmity with Israel, uh, but at the same time, there is a serious problem in the society. A uh, Pakistani security state, a uh, Pakistani military, has indoctrinated the Pakistani society towards India, towards Israel. All of uh, you know the generation after generation, the hat, the hatred, and uh, you know uh, the kind of uh, rhetoric. Uh, against uh, Hindu India and Jew Israel and, uh, you know, Muslim causes and Palestinian causes, even Chechnyan causes. Uh, uh, They aligned themselves well. Uh, One, that was uh, absolutely, that policy was absolutely not going to go anywhere because uh, that was not a real foreign policy, as you can pursue a foreign policy. It was just an ideological Uh, you know, ramping up of emotions and whipping up of emotions on the basis of uh, Muslim identity. Why they were trying to build so frantically the Muslim identity? Because it served their purpose uh, against Hindu India. It wasn't against Israel. I mean, they were aligning with Arabs because of their, because Arab words, they're very in certain areas and they were aligning with them. I, I don't think they had any kind of geopolitical dispute with Israel in any way. Uh, they never did. They were just doing it for, for the Arab causes. And uh, I remember a time when Yasser Arafat was PLO leader and Yasser Arafat used to side with India on Kashmir issue. That used to aim Pakistani military leaders a lot uh, because uh, they thought that we are, uh, you know, taking up Palestinian cause everywhere and Yasser Arafat wars with India on Kashmir issue. Uh, so at that time, you know, when military leadership was uh, so uh, kind of, uh, was not pleased, they used to start a debate on Pakistan, in Pakistan that, like, okay, let, let's, uh, you know, uh, let's think about, uh, uh, you know, recognizing Israel. And then that used to send Yasser Arafat a clear signal and, you know, the the small little games they used to play. Uh, Yes, it's right. That's right. Uh, Coming back to your question, uh, that Pakistan has realized now uh, the futility of its long-term policy, which has delivered nothing, uh, uh, you know, enmity with uh, Israel. Uh, Geopolitically, Also, it never made sense. Uh, Israel was a very staunch U.S. ally. Pakistan was a key U.S. partner in South Asia. Uh, So it was just the Arab causes Pakistan was peddling and pushing. And uh, in in turn, uh, in doing so, they made their own society uh, kind of real, uh, indoctrinated and uh, a a kind of extremist society uh, without society realizing that what kind of dispute we have with Israel. Now those questions are coming back to haunt them as the Arabs are going into uh, Abraham Accords, signing into Abraham Accords, and Pakistan's economy and Pakistan's isolation in the world, it has left friendless. Uh, China is not a reliable partner anymore. Uh, United States is kind of uh, estranged and uh, a fellow of the past. So Pakistan now that is seeing uh, the folly of its um, seventy years long foreign policy, uh, 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 policy contours and po- uh, foreign policy pillars on which he based its foreign policy. So now they are trying to uh, kind of uh, uh, have a correction, uh, kind of, but. Now, the real question is, uh, I mean, would it help now? Does Israel really need? I mean, what what, in, what you can give Israel, uh, in return now? When Musharraf was trying in 2004 and 2005, when he met Shimon Peres, that was a very daring step. It was a time when he was simultaneously uh, making a real effort to settle Kashmir dispute with India. That makes sense at that time because uh, that recognition would have created a space for Israel uh, in the Middle East. That uh, There are Muslim nations, important Muslim nations. Uh, I mean, that would have given any kind of something to Israel. But now Pakistan has very little to offer to Israel. And those all Arab states uh, have signed Abraham Accord. Now if Pakistan will do it, I think they are they are now very very seriously thinking to do it, but I wonder what what's in there for Israel.
0: I really wanted to ask, so you know, whether you even think it's possible. I want to quote from your your op-ed here. You wrote, "quote The forced indoctrination of Pakistani society by the military now makes it very difficult to lead a peace initiative with Israel, a country that has been branded as Pakistan's archenemy." End quote. So. That's sort of the situation here, because what you're describing, if I'm understanding correctly, is you know perhaps on a on a high level, uh, leaders of Pakistan have you know maybe privately uh, understood that uh, that that times are changing, that sort of their erstwhile uh, you know partners and allies are no longer speaking in concert with respect to Israel. At the same time, 75 years of essentially poisoning the the well when it comes to Israel. How do you undo that when your average person in the street, and when there's 250 million of them, you have to be careful what they, what they think? Um, they believe that Israel is Pakistan's archenemy because they've been told that for three generations. How easy is that going to be to
1: undo? Won't be easy, Robert. Won't be easy at all. Uh, these are the uh, demons and ghosts of the past which will continue to hurt Pakistani military establishment. Uh, the follies they committed all of their lives, uh, uh, the kind of short-term benefits uh, they they fixated their uh, national interest on. Uh, so that will come back to haunt them. Uh, I mean, it, it's not easy. Uh, they indoctrinated the whole society because they were fighting Afghan war. They were, they had to keep with India. Uh, you know, they were having a certain economic benefits from the uh, U.S.-led war in Afghanistan, and they were fighting that war against first Russia and then whatever wars came in Afghanistan. They were party to it. The manipulated indoctrination of the society, which they thought might be in the 1960s or 70s, uh, that look we—I really, mean, it's a—it's an injected thing, and we can turn it off whenever we want. Uh, but uh, with the advent of afghan War in the 1980s, uh, that poison had spread into the society because then society needed uh, uh, real Islamization and real indoctrination. And General Zia went on to that path for very, very, uh, very, very. So uh, it will be very difficult. Uh, you pointed out uh, it's a challenge. Uh, but at the same time, uh, and it's not only Israel, uh, the Pakistani society, if they have to cleanse themselves uh, from the radical Islamism, which uh, which they are, they have become hostage to. I mean, they will have to have a large scale cleaning up society, cleaning up operation. Don't ask me how it will happen. I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, I mean, that that is, I mean, no less effort than cleaning up the whole society is required. Uh, to do that because Islamism, uh, which started as a foreign policy tool for Pakistani military, has now poisoned the whole society, has now entrenched in the whole society. But they can sell it now. They can sell it anyway. I don't know that they will succeed or not. Look, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Arabia, I mean, people in Pakistan are quite, uh, uh, feel close to Saudi, uh, Saudi. So, Saudi so Arabia is doing it the UAE is doing it they are our brothers they are Muslims they are part they can build a narrative on that that uh, if they do not have any dispute with Israel what's our dispute this this cat this is sustainable uh they can try to uh, do it and uh, obviously they are uh, they are looking at certain advantages uh in uh, in having uh, and normal relations with Israel uh, because uh, well, it will definitely bring them back into the International Committee uh, of Nations uh, of which uh, they feel outsiders the now.
0: Fascinating uh, insight, uh, Mohammed. Uh, for, uh, thank you for sharing. And I just wanted to end with a quote, uh, actually, from, uh, he, we had mentioned him a few times, uh, Pravez Musharraf, the former Pakistani leader. This is in 2005. He said, quote, uh, Pakistan has no direct conflict with Israel, and we are not a threat to Israel's security. We believe Israel represents no threat to Pakistan's uh, national security. Uh, so uh, one hopes that uh, we'll see those uh, those words uh, come to fruition uh, in the coming years. Uh, thank you so much again, Mohammed Rizwan, uh, for your time and, uh, and expertise today.
1: Thank you for having me, Robert. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And that's today's edition of the Honest Report Podcast. If you
0: haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our mailing list, our podcast channel, and follow us on social media for the most up-to-date news. If you like what you've heard, please consider a donation to support our continued efforts at www.honestreporting.ca slash donate. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.